the, the really great opportunity of being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and see what their struggle was like because I thought my struggle was hard growing up but my my first three months in country in Guatemala I realized like yes my struggle that's nothing <laughs> hello and welcome to uh, why are we talking about rabbits today there's five rabbits no that's not correct because today there's five field workers from first things foundation here and we're gonna talk about heavy things lightly because we're having a first things foundation summit and these cats who you're looking at have all come from various places around the world to talk about heavy things lightly on Watar, episode 56. Oh. Hi guys. Hey. Howdy. So the theme I thought we could do, which we already talked about, is tension between the world you go and inhabit which is sometimes in the United States in Appalachia, right? Owen. Yep. And we'll introduce you as we go. This is Owen, the blonde wonderkind over there. He is... That sounds a bit too Aryan. <laughs> feels a little Aryan. Yeah. <laughs> he is, uh, well, it's just 10 days now in Appalachia working um, in, the west, in the mountains of Western North Carolina. Uh. Owen is trying to reconcile, I guess, an upbringing in Florida with something like hanging out in the mountains with Scots-Irish descendants. And then everybody here, and we'll go, we'll go one by one introduce you guys, but you're trying to reconcile tension. I know I did it in Mali. So, Jake, you're in Sierra Leone. Yeah. You're working with first things. Is there a tension walking around between uh -huh. who you are, who they think you are? Uh, yeah, there's certainly a tension. Um, I think we we were touching on this the other night. I think it, it's it's very strange. Um, you know, you look you look different than everybody around you. That's the most obvious one. You have more money than anybody around you. Daniel said it really well the other night. You you can buy anything you want in Kailan. Um and. So you're you're the richest person in town, or you seem like you could be, and that, that's 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 definitely jarring. And um, you know, a lot of people. Have you ever been the richest person in no anything? <laughs> no, certainly <laughs> not. Um, but you don't have much money, man. You have like two hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah, a exactly. Month total. So there's your scale. But it's a lot in in country. Yeah. Where do you tell us about where you're serving? I'm in Sierra Leone. I stay in a town called Kailan, and um, it's probably got about 10,000 people. Um, it's, uh, I struggle to describe it because there's, there's almost, there's almost no similarity between Kailan and, and America, at least on the surface. Right. And um, so there, there aren't many points of reference to, to connect to. It's not suburban. Right. It's not suburban. But it's not also like a country farm village i've been there with no you. it like no it, it isn't like that it's um public transport it's a town the public transports uh motorcycles for the most part there mm -hmm. are cars but um take motorcycles for the most part do you remember the rule that first things came up with guys about motorcycles you're not really supposed to take them mm -hmm. yeah and then what are you doing well, taking you're breaking them. the rules <laughs> because yeah. there's actually no way around it right <laughs> 
Um, you could walk, but you can't. But that's uh, you can't walk everywhere, I guess. Is it hot when you walk? It's hot, um, at least during the day. But you get used to it. Um, it's hot for me. Is it Florida hot? The hot feel. Um, well, I don't know Florida hot very well, but it's probably at least Greenville hot. South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. So there's tension, and the tension is in part because you're seen as as wealthy, and that has to do with your skin color. Mm-hmm. Is it, it? Does it have to do with? Let's put it this way. Culturally, there's some colonial idea, right? Mm-hmm. They have that you're from the outside, and that comes with perks. Do they feel like perks to you? Um, privileges. They, they definitely no, <laughs> no. They don't. They don't feel like that. It, I I understand that you know getting um, you know sometimes if if you need to renew a registration, you you can get moved up in line magically. Um, by, you know, virtue of, of being a white person that doesn't always feel so great. Um, I understand it is a privilege. Um, and it does get you out faster. So I guess it's nice. It's a but type of privilege. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I think the, the ones that I enjoy, I wouldn't call these perks, but, um, you know, being kind of extra welcomed by neighbors, being invited over for meals, um, being brought, you know, gifts like chickens and um, other various, you know, plantains, bananas, potatoes. Um, those things are some very humbling in a way because these people have so little and they, they want to share with you as the outsider. Who has well, much more with them. We don't. We don't currently have any African Americans working for us. You know, we're going to talk to you actually. Because you're you're a Latino American, right? Yeah, Mexican American. Yeah, you're serving in Guatemala. That's correct. So you could pass for Guatemalan ish. Yeah, when I go to when I'm in 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 country, I think I could probably blend in a little bit better. But once you try to hear me speak Spanish, they know I'm not from <laughs> immediately. <laughs> immediately, well. Well, they don't right. think when I'm in Guatemala, they don't think I'm Guatemala. Yeah. But they'll start with you, like a tick. I the, think so. A second, and they'll think, start with I you. I think that's right. Do you think you lose privilege in that moment? Um, I haven't thought about it. I, I hope so, because I don't, I don't know. Like, like Jake said, I, I think I'd feel very uncomfortable if I got moved up to the front of the right. line right. because of that. So I'm glad I could fit in. I guess it's more of a, a privilege in the fact that I have an easier time. Oh wow! It's like the reverse. It is. It is. Yeah, and I haven't thought about it too much, but um, I, like I said, I I wouldn't feel too well if I was given special attention because of being an outsider or whatever it may be. But it's not tension for you in the sense that they're looking at you or they're no, not too much. I mean, Guatemalans like it's definitely not like Mexican American culture, but it's similar. I mean, we eat hotter foods than they do, but yeah. Like they still make the same jokes. They still um, talk the same way and they still have pride in the country, just like Mexican Mexicans do as well. So So all of you guys, well, I'll put the question to all of you. You can jump in if you want, but you know, you can answer too. What's the outsider insider tension? Is there an outsider insider tension? Because yours is immediate. People see you outsider. Mm. 
they don't immediately see you as outsider. When does the outsider tension kick in? And then, guys, we have Shez over here. Shez yeah, is Guatemalan. Mm -hmm. We'll tell your story in a second. You yeah. serve in Guatemala yes. and you can jump in on this. When do you feel outsider tension? Does it happen to you? I, I certainly feel it still. I mean, like when, like, is it because they, they say because, because like, of my Spanish, because I can't fully talk I get it. exactly like them. And then they're like, oh, this gringo still, you know, which is weird because in, in the States, nobody would ever really call me a gringo. Besides maybe my, my friends are picking on me because my Spanish is weak. Right. But, uh -huh. but, um, yeah, over there, like they don't, they don't act a certain way until I talk. And that's why that language thing is pushing me right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Shez, you are Guatemalan. Yes. So you, you go between the two worlds, outside, inside. Yeah. So I guess my tension is, is I feel it's constant and it's, um, uh, it's, yeah, it's internal and external in a way because I, I'm not, like people tell, can tell I'm Guatemalan. My Spanish is very, very good, but also my English is good and I don't have a, mm -hmm. a Latino accent when I speak English. So, I think the first tension is uh, people trying to figure out if I am Guatemalan or I'm from somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, so for the longest time in, in Chichicastenango, that's the village that we serve, um, I used to work in a clinic and people wouldn't speak directly to me in Spanish. They would speak to my friend that is American and she's white. You know, she mm -hmm. looked like American and she would ask her, where is she from? Oh, really? Does she speak Spanish? Oh. And, 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 and my friend's like, why don't you ask that her? She's Guatemalan. And I would go, yes, I'm Guatemalan. I speak Spanish. But it took a while for people to like click in the fact that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess she is Guatemalan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think that that is, uh, like the tension of, of people not really understanding or, or not getting if I am. To treat me as a local or to right. treat me as a gringa, because they, in a way, they do s still see me as a gringa in, in, in many ways that yeah. is confusing for people and sometimes even for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was wondering about internal. Yeah. There's an internal dimension, right? So just to catch people up, maybe who are watching for the first time, we're kind of a private Peace Corps that sends people long term. Mm -hmm. And really, the first step is deep immersion. So learn Mende, the local language, and some English, the colonial language, right? You're going to learn the culture of of Appalachia, which is its own language. Yeah, and hopefully pick up an accent along yeah, the way. grab an accent. <laughs> and then in Guatemala, the three of you are working. Tom, we'll get to you. Tom, you married a Guatemalan, and she's sitting next to you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you better watch what I say. Huh? He's like, wow. <laughs> so th there's an internal tension and out... And I, I'm just fascinated with this concept of if the tension is something that breaks you down or is it something that's making you resilient and teaching you about yourself, being an outsider going in? Because the same tension exists for people who come to the United States, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you met, you guys know people who left and came yeah. here. We talked about that a little bit. Yeah. We talked about, we talked about how, because I have many friends whose parents are illegal undocumented uh, immigrants who came to the States and I saw how, how hard they worked. And now I could see exactly what they went through. I mean, they have to go through and they're expected to learn English in the States mm -hmm. and they're expected to provide for the family and they just have to work hard. And 
many of those undocumented immigrants, they come over to the States and they're deserting their families back home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a lonely process, it's a lonely time for them. And a lot of, a lot of people like in Guatemala or whatever, like, oh, that person's lucky for getting across the border and mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. an opportunity to make some money. But in reality, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing this for myself, not being, not being able to be with my family anytime I want. It's a lonely process, especially like when you don't have it and you realize how much they mean to you. It's, it's, it's tough. Can so, you imagine, right? Yeah. It, it's a rev- what you guys are going through is something like what an immigrant goes through. Right. You you don't have a lot of money because that's part of our work, but you have enough that that probably takes that tension away. Mm-hmm. But there is like a spiritual or intellectual dimension to the suffering, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think an undocumented immigrant has it worse because they have the risk of getting tossed out and everything mm-hmm. taken away from them. And yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. Tom, know. Tom, you're a gringo. <laughs> yeah, I am. Your pants are cool, though. <laughs> Tom and I have the best, the pants, best pants in the room, <laughs> just letting you guys know. These are Guatemalan. Tell us about... Tom, tell us where you live. Is my, It's Mayan culture, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you've adopted it You th- in lots of ways, three years there now. Yeah. Um, so I I served with FTF in uh, Momostenango for, for two years, and... Um, through my service there, I had met Chez, uh, and, uh, well, we fell in love and now we're married and, uh, I've extended for, uh, we're on my, I'm on our, I'm on my third year now in, uh, you know, Chichi Castanango. And, um, so I've, when I arrived, I, I, I didn't know anything about Guatemala culture. I didn't know a lick of Spanish. Um, but, um, to my surprise, I, I, I really fell in love with the, the country. Um, Chez's family, uh, they like to pick on me. Um, and they, they sometimes joke and say I'm a, I'm a little more Chapin than, than her. I'm more Guatemalan than, than she is. <laughs> uh, when, it, you know, when it comes to some uh, uh, traits, for example, I, I, uh, if I'm talking to somebody, I'll just keep talking and talking. And uh, Chez will be tugging on me saying, let's go. You know, we, we got to go. And I say, all right, all right let, me, let me close it up. And then for some reason, just opening. Yeah, 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 yeah we, we have to reiterate yes. the whole conversation yes. right at the end. And you know, she, yeah, I look over, she's sitting there, you know, stomping her foot. But uh, you know, uh, it's hard to. It's that hard to, th- to that is a reversal for yeah. sure. <laughs> That's the American stomping their foot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or time, like I'm very like Americanized in that sense of you know, like it's it's we we're this we're five minutes late. Yeah, and Tom's more like Guatemalan, like Ora Chapina, yeah. you know, like. So some people say this about our kind of work. Mm-hmm. They'll, first of all, they'll try to say it's volunteerism, which it's not, because I, I don't know anybody who really volunteers for no money for two years. Maybe you can find those people. There aren't a lot of them around. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they do say that there's something about um, trying to elevate yourself because you can't make it or something back in your own culture. There's something about... Mm-hmm. enjoying the fame of Momostenango when you don't have any fame back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I felt that tension in Mali from time to time. But in the end, that really wasn't a tension of mine. Are you worried, Owen, as you come in, that you're searching for something weird by joining this organization? <laughs> um, the, the same thing you're saying, I was sort of not really on board with because like, I I left a, a teaching job and I, I, 
I feel like I was pretty popular at my school. That's and so like, point. there were a lot of students who were like really sad to see me go. So I'm, I feel like I'm actually leaving a place of like comfort and familiarity where like I can walk down the halls and there's a bunch of students excited to see me to a place now where like nobody knows me. And, and exactly unlike these people who are abroad, like I look just like everybody else. And mm. so like, Nobody actually knows I'm an outsider until they ask me where I'm from. And I say, I'm from Florida and I just moved here two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, no, it, it's, it's just been fascinating for me listening to um, all of these other stories because the, the role I'm just beginning to play in Appalachia feels in some ways, like not fundamentally different, but like really different be, being in America um, with, with other, you know, white people, um, than it is, you know, being an American. Are you trying to, to find country. something out about yourself or is it more, is it, are you going there to literally because you want to find great projects and help people? Is there a balance? Because I think in history there's push and pull, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there, there's push factors that move people out of someplace and there's pull factors, right? That pull them towards someplace. And I'm always interested with you guys. Are you being more pushed or pulled? Jake, are you a push or pull guy, or is it both when you got on the plane to Africa? Um, uh, I would not say I was pulled toward Africa specifically at all. That was more of a, um, I joined first things and, and was ready to go yeah. where you guys sent me. Yeah. Um, and the pull to first things was actually a pretty um, spontaneous event. Yeah. I, I was ready to travel. I was pulled towards that in general, but, but first thing specifically kind of fell seemingly out of thin air, so to speak. Well, we were traveling in COVID. Yeah. Most people weren't. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, that was a match made in yeah, it was, like <laughs> heaven or something. It was pretty crazy that we found each other. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, uh, you just, so tell them three months, right? In Guatemala right, now, right? Right. Three months coming from Denver, Colorado. I guess I was kind of pulled, um, to Guatemala. So after graduating uh, college, I was supposed to go to the Peace Corps and I was signed up and accepted for a role in Guatemala, actually. Then COVID came, wept that, I mean, uh, COVID yeah. made Peace Corps take out all the volunteers all throughout the world and. They're still not operational, so I was kind of stuck in this place where I was wanting to go because I was wanting to learn Spanish and I was really wanting to help people, whatever that means. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I was really wa wanting to do something like that. And then I, like Owen, I was teaching at my old high school as well and um, working at this small snacking company, just trying to make ends meet until this, this opportunity came, uh, uh, until this opportunity found in front of my eyes. Uh, where I saw a flyer of first things, uh, I called Dan and I looked at the site and he told me that they have a position open in Guatemala. And I was like, man, this is, this is kind of crazy. This is kind of meant to be, it seems like. And no, I just fell in love with the organization and fell in love with the idea of going over and potentially creating some good. So nothing was pushing you per se. You could have stayed there. Pushing me internally? Yeah, like out. Well, I knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted to change in some way. I, I mean, yeah. I had this, I had these, sure. I, I have these ambitions to do something hard. And when I set my mind to doing something hard, I, I love to overcome it. Mm -hmm. But I also 
just felt like Colorado. I'm kind of growing outside of Colorado already. Like I wanted to travel a bit as well, like like Jake was saying. And yeah, I just like I said, I, I enjoy um, the, the really great opportunity of being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and see what their struggle was mm-hmm. like. Because I thought my struggle was hard growing up, but my my first three months in country in Guatemala, I realized like, yes, my struggle. That's, <laughs> that's another potential interesting conversation Yeah, about relative pain, relative suffering. Right. And if it matters, because if someone's mm-hmm. suffering is suffering, isn't it just suffering to them? And it's, but I, look, can I take a, a can I keep on this theme just a little bit? Because yeah. I, yeah. I, I hear something mm-hmm. coming out. I can hear some people watching saying, okay, but what do you guys do? And that's a new kind of tension because as an aid organization, a project development organization, we are supposed to build something or at least be a part of a building project. And in doing so, often your project report substitutes for the vocabulary of success. And that's a tension. I feel tension as a guy raising money for our organization because sometimes when I try to explain exactly what we do, people want numbers. We can give them numbers. The question is, is is that the way you guys would report success? And then if you don't report success as a project, which many of you are involved in now, Owen's just getting started. So, and you're still in the immersion ship, uh, Juno, but is there a tension when you're at site? I better do something to make people want like me and also give us money or something. Like, do you feel that powerful economic pull? Um, well, I don't know about economic pull, but I remember there were a few days in a row. Well, this happens all the time where I'll have like three days in a row where I barely leave the house and there's just not that much to do. Um, other than just sit home and read. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, there was one time where that happened and then I got sick and I couldn't even go and do anything in the neighborhood. And someone was building a house next door or a latrine or something. And um, they were kind of like, why aren't you helping us with this? And I actually couldn't in that situation mm-hmm. because I was, I was quite ill. And um but all there was for me to do at that time was, was do nothing and get well. And I sort of had to learn to do that. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't help really from like economics for people but, who want, who want to hear what we're doing. I just said, but I you had to anything. learn to, to not do anything. That's weird. It is weird, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. What was making, is it because of the culture shift? It was, is it in your mind? Is it a new world idea in your head that I, sh- I need to be productive? Yeah, I think so. I think that's, that's, that hits the nail on the head. It's like you, you feel like you need to be moving and active. And yeah. Do you guys feel the same? Involved. I, I, I think for me it was um, not only the, the feeling of uh, being productive, but for me I think that the struggle was um, the status I was uh, coming from working for another organization where I was directing a program and everybody in the village knew me as a doctor. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, till the day, like, I would go and everybody, like, oh, doctor and doctor, and everybody knew in the, in the village what exactly I did, you know, and they knew if I'm a physical therapist, so, you know, like, they knew that if they had any injuries or certain things, they could come to me. When I joined First Things, for me, it was a shift of, first of all, seeing myself as something different because I no longer, you know, that doesn't mean I'm not. Uh, you know, like I'm no longer a physical therapist, but it's not my, not the service that I'm going to exactly. provide. Right. So yeah, right. for me, it was more of that internal, like loss, maybe in a way mm-hmm. of, okay, I'm losing my status here huh. <laughs> and how I see myself now. Mm-hmm. Because before, you know, I had that identity very, very strongly. And I, I knew, or I felt, or I thought I knew who I, what I am, mm-hmm. what I can bring to the table. But now, I, how am I going to introduce myself? What am I going to tell people I'm doing? Why is it hard now? Like, try to explain that, that quandary at first things. Like, why is it hard to introduce? Well, because I didn't, you know, like, I knew that in a clinic, I could say, okay, I, 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 am, I a am a doctor. Physical therapist. Yes, and you can find me in the clinic, and if you, you can, you know, like, I can help you if you have back pain, you have an injury, you have someone with a disability. So, I could go to the list, and I could explain exactly mm-hmm. what I was doing and what I could provide. Mm-hmm. But now, I was like, okay, what am I going to give them? Because it depends on, you know, we're working with people, and people have different projects. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what to offer them until I get to know them and know they, they like we get right. to that relationship and they can share their project with me and then we can figure out, okay, or, or they ask me, this is what I need from you. Because and they're now, determining. Yes. They're determining what they their need. Their needs. And then you fill their needs as a, uh, as a script writer, as a, yes. as a grant writer, as a, Maybe a doctor on one day. Or, or like doing things I, I don't even know if I'm capable of doing. Right, researcher. Yeah, yeah. Consultant. Yeah. So to give that, I, I call that electricity. So if you ever want, you know, or here's another way. Like Wiley Coyote lights a fuse and then the fuse goes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, imagine that there's a little gap in the fuse. And it dies out and never hits the bomb. The bomb here being good. I'm just you know, making this up as I go. I think what this was my struggle too when I started doing this in, in Guatemala and also in Africa was I can picture what we are, what I am. I'm the little fuse that was snipped and placed there for just one moment so that the thing doesn't die out. And then quick drop Jake in there it keeps going and eventually gets to the bomb which is the explosion of goodness let's call it that but the problem is is if I said that I am the fuse that's not exactly true I'm not the bomb I'm like a part of the process necessary for the explosion but the thing changes all the time Yeah. and so one of the things about the new world mind and then I'll offer this to you guys is the new world mind likes the clarity of reason, right? I am a doctor. And now everybody in the room goes, okay, I know, I know what they do. I know what they're good at. What are you? Have you ever noticed one of the conversations you always have in America is, hi, my name's John. What do you do for, what do you do? And you go, well, I'm the little part of the fuse, the wick that gets things to blow up. You're like, well, no, but what do you do? I find this as a tension. 
Is it a tension for you guys, or maybe I'm just making that up? But it was a major yes. tension for me. But just to, to to finish and add that, I think for me, it, and and also the tension was um, realizing that I was um, valuing myself for what I did, not for oh. who I was. So for me, it was not only like that 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 loss of uh, identity because I no longer can value myself as a doctor and I can no longer value myself of how many people I help to get you like to walk yeah. again or stuff yeah. so it was actually a spiritual um journey for me mm. of learning to value myself for who I am not for what I produce wow. or for what I I do mm-hmm. and and I think that sometimes in this new world if you want to call it we value people and we value ourselves based on what we do like okay if i'm a teacher this is my value you know i'm a doctor and i saw these amount of patients then i'm good and i'm valuable so even the way i see myself and it translates of how i see others has and I don't, i'm still in the process right of, sure, of, yeah. of changing of you know seeing not seeing um people as for what they do yeah. but more as for what they are yeah. and makes relationships and building relationships more fruitful yeah. but it's a process yeah i'm still in the i'm still in the process yeah and i mean listening to all of this in different ways is making me see i think a lot more of the similarities between the sort of work we're meant to do here and and the work i have i've just been sort of fully immersed in teaching not not necessarily that because i know like juno is teaching english so he's still like teaching but i i taught english um and so like on paper in terms of like curriculum and like the the deliverables that i was giving you know i was reading the tempest by shakespeare with my ninth grade students and you know there's i i think a temptation to think okay that's what i was delivering to them is like they right, understand the right, tempest now right. but i i promise you that like if i tomorrow talked with one of my freshman students and i asked like do you remember the name of prospero's brother who who usurped him and they didn't remember i wouldn't feel like a failure like i'd be sort of disappointed like we only read it five months ago come on <laughs> but you know to me that's not what i was delivering i was delivering to them the the skills necessary to read and to think critically and to have conversations with one another and we use the tempest as a tool for that but in some ways it's okay if that falls away but it's the process we went through as a class um, you know, thinking about forgiveness and thinking about power and and father daughter relationships and all of those sorts of things that that may not have any sort of like deliverable um, deliverable things for them to like report back to me, their teacher, or to you know right. some test or whatever. But what I did was still a success, or, or I hope was still a success. And that seems like similar to the first thing stuff, right? That like there's a temptation to always think what projects am I doing? What numbers can I say about this many lives changed or this much extra wealth added to the community? But it seems so much from what I've heard from other people and and what drew me to first things is that that's not really what we're doing. We're creating relationships and we're, we're working with people in a genuine way. That's all about the process and not necessarily just like the end result that we like take a picture of. Okay. All right. But who doesn't know this voice, Tom? It's in our lives. 
Thanks, Dreamer, guys. Thanks. Thanks a lot for playing along with your dreamy life. But, you know, people are hungry. And uh, when you take that really bad road and your kid falls off the back because the road's crappy, cracks his head open. What are you guys actually going to do? That's not attention. That's attention for me as the director. Now, I know we do stuff. The question is, is can we report it in a way that satisfies that voice? Do you guys want to make that guy feel better or that woman feel better, that, that voice I just gave you? Do you want to try to allay their fears working for first things or do you not care about that voice? Well, it's funny because sometimes um, I'll be in, in our place and we just made some progress with one of the projects. We have four right now in Chichi. And I'll say, Shez, wow, we got we to ramp it up. Let's get number five, number six. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get going. And, yeah, then, right. and then I pause. I said, where, where did this come from? What does that number even mean? Like, mm. we, we just actually, um, you know, we're giving hope for uh, just one family in a particular project running a, you know, a street food stand. And that means a lot to them. I mean, that's really impacting their life. And we know this family really well. And, um, and, and so, that, I mean, this is, to me, I mean, that's, that's a huge success. So saying, okay, let's do that one more time, five or six or seven. That, that, there's something uh, that doesn't, the numbers <laughs> don't convey the meaning compared to that, that impact when, you, um, when you're working with that family, right? And I, I don't know how... Uh, how you can report. I mean, I also feel a bit lame when someone, let's say in Naples, asks me what I do. You know, I say, uh, uh, I can say, all right, I'm a business consultant. You know, yeah. I mean, but that doesn't. That I mean, we doesn't, have words. Yeah, we, we have words. We, but we, uh, we, we do all types of entrepreneurial consulting on small business projects in yeah. some of the most impoverished neighborhoods around the world. How do I do? Yeah. Fine. <laughs> but that tension's still not gone because I came up with a nice phrase, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I think about in Kailan, Fatorma, and then there's a wholesale uh, B project we were working on. I don't think anybody knows about them. Well, no, let me put it, no, let me put it this way. Plenty of Sierra Leoneans know about Fatorma's B project. I hate that. That's a very, like, colonial way of thinking. Plenty of people know, but not plenty of investors know. Because there's not that much capital in, in, in Kailan. And what we did is just say, like, hey, over here. Like, hey, these guys know, honey. We should, you should help them. Because they're going to kick in something for this, for this region, for this village, that the 20 other people asking for money can't. Not that the other 20 other people are bad, but they have traction. I don't, could Fatorma have marketed to some, like, was that going to happen? That he was going to meet some investor? Or like, um, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't put anything out of, uh, out of Fotorma's, uh, yeah. ability. He's, yeah. he's quite, quite impressive, but no, I, I do think that what Austin did, um, Austin being the field director who was there before me, what he did in finding that grant for them really, move them forward much quicker than they would have been able to on their own. Mm -hmm. And we weren't doing bees on that project. See, this is the tricky, like we aren't a bee wholesaler nonprofit, but we did some thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm pushing it now. Maybe I'm doing an advertisement, but that tension, man, 
You feel it, even though you're just three months in? Do you feel the tension to produce? No, yeah, for sure. I mean, you guys know me well enough. Like, I'm a very goal-oriented person. So I can only imagine when I start that creationship phase and I start engaging projects, I'm going to want to be like, we're going to get this done. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to knock it down. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I I, one of my online heroes is Gary Vaynerchuk, and that's all he's Mm -hmm. about, you know, is putting in that hard work. And I, I'm scared that I'm going to adapt that mentality when I think what Tom said was exactly correct. I mean, you have to build that relationship. And then when you build that relationship, you realize that what you're doing for that one person, that one family, that is so profound for them. And I just truly believe that you don't know the, the extent of your impact. You don't know just because you helped a family get a food stand or whatever it may be. You don't know if that's not where impact stops. Yes, I I agree with that. I believe that somewhere further down along their, along their circle of influence that it's going to keep radiating. Yeah. So in in the end, is it worth it to guys aren't making much money? You know, peace corps volunteers. Okay. Is it worth it to take two years and like, live the tension or would you prefer the tension of trying to build your life back in America? I I have a feeling there's similar tensions. Maybe is it worth it to go off? Do you feel like you're wasting time or something? I've been having this conversation with my friends back home because we're all just graduated from college and trying to figure out our lives and talking to one of my, my best friends, Brandon, he, um, he has like this, fancy job with Exxon Mobil and he's like he's like in the IT department getting paid loads of money and I'm over here pretty much in the opposite yes. <laughs> position than he is and like we talk about it and I um, we read Man Search for Meaning together and we talked about like what is our meeting and am I finding my meaning by doing something so profound by going and living in the destitute country for two years i don't know i think the hardest part like i I was describing to him is the hardest part for me is right now it is not having that human connection because my spanish is lackluster Mm -hmm. so going through these little pitfalls and not being comfortable um it's it's challenging but i'm i'm blessed to have that challenge because i'm one i'm getting to fulfill my life goal of learning Spanish finally but also I I enjoy I think it's going to be a great story to tell my family like I was the first in my family to graduate college and nice. my family's looking at me like dude you could be making way more money than I'm sure they were looking at you like yeah. what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing yeah like like coming here I had to run in with bugs and I text my mom like oh yeah mom like think about this and she was like, son, I, I don't know why you're doing this to yourself. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And my thing is, like I said, I, I'm truly grateful to be where I am, to be living amongst people who have a different mindset. Like, they don't have the material wealth, but they have the love in their heart, and they're so grateful, and they're super hardworking. And I think if I could apply that to other areas in my life, two years from now, I'm going to be set. I don't care two years making decent money in the States that won't make up for, I think with blessings they'll learn these next few years for sure. 
Well, I did this when I was young, a little younger than you guys. Well, the same age as you guys. It happened. Mm-hmm. There is an acceleration because of the experiences. Uh, there's a maturity. There's a there's a wisdom that's accelerated. It doesn't mean you know you can screw stuff up, right? But I, I think that's true. You For guys, me, I think it's different because I didn't leave. I stayed. Right. So it's a choice that has that's uh, true. that yeah, has. Um, Cost a lot of criticism amongst my family, friends, and even um, like those internal. Like, you married uh, a gringo journey, and then stayed in Guatemala. So for many people, I don't have that mon- mindset of you know moving forward. You know, see, people think that I, I I have that mindset of you know just like I'm stuck in a place oh because gosh, I I am not man. you know because I'm not I'm not. T- taking the step for the American dream. So people, some people see me like this girl has no ambition <laughs> um, because I'm not, I'm not going forward. So uh, for me, it's been that, that journey of, of also, you know, um, going past the criticism, but at the same time, my uh, personal and internal battle of, are they right or not? But I wouldn't, you know, like I think I've, 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 I'm in a journey with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. I, I know I could, I could have many, maybe, maybe, you know, like a better job, you know, I could go back to being the doctor in a, in another place, but I wouldn't trade that for, for, for what I'm experiencing and, and, and learning. And also, um, as a Guatemalan woman and, uh, you know, just choosing to stay in, in my country, uh, where most people want to leave, it's, it, it's also for me like, uh, um, a way of, of helping other young women to show that there is things beyond, uh, you know, the states. Well, to you guys, Gaggy Marjos. Gaggy Marjos. Um, guys are the best. They're five of another five and another two. So about 12 of us now in the field, um, all together. Well, about to be anyway. And so, uh, we're first things. This is Watar. This is where we talk about heavy things lightly. Basically, we come on here so you guys can hear our stories, but really uh, we infuse the history and we infuse the philosophy and the psychology of what we learn into lessons about modern America right now. And so I think one lesson is, is that the heart is not dead. The head is a powerful thing in America, but the heart is not dead. And I think a lot of us are groping toward it. You guys went out and did it, it's amazing and try to try to activate that and then turn that into cool projects. So, Shenny's Gagi Marjos, Nakfondis to everybody who uh, signs on. That's Georgian for goodbye. Hasta luego. Nos vemos. Nos vemos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's another good one in Spanish? Hasta la próxima. Do we have a do we have a, a quiche? Ah, quiche. Ah, quiche. Quiche. No. Not, I just not, know Sakarik is good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I heard my first use of y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Victory. Excellent. I'll add au revoir in French. What are you going to do in Mende? We got uh, Malawe. Malawe? Malawe. Or oh. in Creole, it's we go see back. We go see back? Yeah. I like we go see back. <laughs> That's excellent. So, and uh, peace out to everybody from Watar.